We are continuing our discussion on the authenticity and the authority of the scriptures. The discussion I started in the last session, I want to continue in more detail in this hour. We talked about how the Quran is very positive about the Bible. And yet, we see Muslims today almost are unanimous that the Bible has been corrupted and it's not trustworthy. I want to give you a few more references from the Quran. I don't, I don't, we don't have the time to look them up, but just you can write them down. Surah 6, verse 92. Again, it talks about God sending the Quran to confirm what was to confirm the scriptures prior to the Quran. Surah 551, the same thing, confirming the book that was sent before the Quran. Surah 10, 37. Again, confirm, God saying we send the Quran to confirm the Torah, the Psalms of David, and the Gospel of Jesus. Surah 35, verse 31, and Surah 12, verse 111. All of them say the same thing. The, the Quran was sent to confirm the previous scriptures. Now, I want to refer very briefly to another uh, an, an, an article. The name of the article, the title of the article is Corruption and or Misinterpretation of the Bible. It's written by Dr. Akkad, and, and it was delivered in 2003 at the Near East School of Theology in Lebanon. And I think it's one of the best articles I have seen on the topic. And in this article, Akkad traces the history of this doctrine of corruption. First, he begins with um, the conclusion that William Montgomery Watt arrived at in 1991. William Montgomery Watt was a professor of Islamic studies in Edinburgh, Scotland for many, many years. A very respected authority on Islam and many Muslims actually refer to him. And Watt wrote an article examining the Quranic passages that seem to talk about the corruption of the scriptures. Uh, the passages that we are talking about, Surah 2, verse 75, Surah 4, verse 46, Surah 5, verse 13, and Surah 5, verse 41. In all these verses, the Arab, Arabic word is used that is the root word for the word corruption. We said the doctrine of corruption in Islam is called tahrif. And so these four passages are the passages in the Quran that seem to be the most directly relevant passages on this issue. And this is what Watt concludes his study on these passages. He says, there is no support for the view that the scriptures of Jews and Christians had been extensively corrupted in the ancient past. I mean, what, 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 he, what he and other scholars are saying is this that the Quran has some passages directed against the Jews, never Christians, just the Jews, and accuses them of hiding some of the verses of the Word of God. There are stories in, uh, about the life of Muhammad in Islamic sources that talk about how uh, somebody asks Muhammad a question, and he says, well, what does the book of the Jews say? And the Jews like, would put their hands on the verses and kind of hide them from Muslims or from Muhammad. So basically, these charges in the Quran is about what the Jews are doing at the time of Muhammad, not how Jews have corrupted the Bible before the time of the Prophet. And then Akkad goes into a survey, an extensive survey of Muslim engagement with the Christian scriptures. He starts looking at what Muslims were doing with the Bible in the 7th and the 8th and the 9th and the 10th century. 
And it's very clear from his survey that Muslims did not know the Bible, so they were asking Jews and Christians to tell them their stories. And they accepted them as the word of God. And it, they used them even for their own arguments. And then, around the time of the 11th century, uh, of, uh, there was a figure of Ibn Hazm. There was a person by the name of Ibn Hazm arrived in the, in the 11th century. And that's the turning point of the encounter between Muslims and Christians on the view of the scriptures. Ibn Hazm is the person who starts attacking the Bible very viciously for the first time. He starts making fun of it and saying, oh, this has just been corrupted and it's not trustworthy. I want to refer to another book here, a book entitled The Prophet and the Messiah. Its subtitle is An Arab Christian's Perspective on Islam and Christianity. Shokat Mukari is the author, and he has some very good discussions on this topic too. And he says that the original Islamic view that the Bible's only been misinterpreted, only the meaning has been changed, was shared by many prominent early Islamic thinkers. Quranic commentator, very famous Quranic commentator, Al-Razi, believes in just the meaning has been tampered. Other people in this group, group that says the Bible hasn't been corrupted in its text, again, Jews and Christians have misunderstood or misinterpreted the meaning. Uh, other people in this group are the following. Quranic commentator Al-Baghilani, famous Iranian Muslim philosopher Avicenna, the most prominent Muslim theologian Al-Ghazali, and more contemporary time, Muhammad Abdo, an, an Egyptian scholar of the 19th century. And then other scholars who said, no, the whole Bible has been corrupted in its text are the following, some of the prominent names. Ibn Hazm, as we mentioned already, Jawaini, and to some degree, Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah was a prominent Muslim theologian of the Middle Ages, and he, and uh, today, people in Saudi Arabia look to him as their most prominent thinker and theologian in, their his, in the history of Islam. He promoted a very puritanical version of Islam back in the Middle Ages. And even Ibn Taymiyyah himself was not very dogmatic on the corruption of the biblical text. He left open the idea that maybe the text wasn't tampered with Christians, just keep misinterpreting it. So this is the first point I wanted to cover. In defending the authenticity of the Bible, we have to point out to Muslims that their charge on the corruption of our Bible does not stand well based on their own scriptures. It seems Islamic theology is in tension with its own scriptures. But what, what else can we say? Uh, Mukari points out some other categories of responses we can have. He says, first, it's theologically problematic to say that the Bible's been corrupted. The Quran in Surah 6, verse 34, Surah 10, verse 64, and Surah 18, verse 27, claims that no one can change the words of God. Now, Muslims say, well, see, the Quran is the word of God and it hasn't been changed because God has protected it. Well, the Quran also says the Torah and the angel were the words of God. How come you say they have been changed? Does God only protect some of his words and not all of his words? And the Bible itself also says that God's words are eternal. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens, Psalms, Psalm 119, 89 declares. 
Jesus himself says, you know, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand. There is also a scientific problem with the Islamic claim. Uh, by scientific, I mean, I'm talking about the textual evidence for the Bible. Uh, and in other courses, you have covered these issues. But it's just incredible the wealth of sources that we have on the Bible. Over 5,000 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. Over 20,000 manuscripts of the New Testament or portions of the New Testament in various languages. Christianity was a missionary religion that spread the world. And we need to remind Muslims that unlike Islam that said, no, the word of God is in Arabic and it must remain in Arabic, Christians started translating their message to the languages. The Bible was translated into Latin, the New Testament. Coptic, Ethiopic, Georgian, Armenian. Syriac. So we have over, over 5,000 Greek manuscripts or portions of the New Testament, over 20,000 of biblical manuscripts, New Testament manuscripts in other languages in translation. We have Christians used to, um, like in today's world, we have books of order or worship, worship hymnals. Christians had similar things in the ancient times. They are called lectionaries. And we have the text of the Bible in these worship manuals called lectionaries, thousands of them. When we look at the writings of the church fathers, the church fathers would um, preach sermons or write commentaries, and they would use Bible verses in their, in their writings. Tens of thousands of Bible verses in the writings of the church fathers that we have them available to us. In fact, one scholar uh, discovered that when you put together all the verses of the New Testament that are written out in the writings of the church fathers, we have every verse of the New Testament in the writings of the fathers except 11 of them. These are all church fathers in the first three centuries of the church. So we have very early from the start of the Christian faith, the Bible is like the New Testament like exploded all over the known world of the Mediterranean and even farther than the Mediterranean. Different languages, different cultures, different churches. And we have many of them available to us today. Another incredible thing about the New Testament documents is that the time difference between the time they were written and the times that we have the copies available to us today. Now, we have manuscripts that are, I mean, a portion of the Gospel of John that only dates up to about 25 years after the writing of the Gospel. And within 150 years, we have the copies, man, copies of the original manuscripts of the entire New Testament. Now, Muslims claim, oh, we have many copies of the Quran all over the world. The two oldest copies that Muslims refer to in the museum in Istanbul and in Uzbekistan there are only like 40 surahs in each copy. It's not the entire Quran. And no Western scholar believes that they are you know, copies of Uthman or at the time of Uthman. So we have many copies of the New Testament, many languages from a very short time after the writings of the New Testament. And then when we compare the copies we have, we see that the accuracy level is much higher than the accuracy of other ancient religious texts. When we look at Indian uh, religious texts, sacred texts of India, there is about 90% accuracy in copying. When we look at the few copies uh, of ancient writers like Homer, 
we see 95% accuracy. When we look at the New Testament copies we have, we see over 99% accuracy. So the difference between what Christians did with their Bible and what Muslims did with their Quran is this. We all have to acknowledge none of us have the originals. We have copies and people wrote copies. There was not a copy machine or a fax machine back then. So it's natural for people to drop a word or misspell a word. Sometimes uh, a, a copyist would write a verse or a line and then he would write it again, twice. So it's very natural that errors in copying happen. But the difference between Islam and Christianity is this. Muslims burned all the other copies and made one official version. Christians didn't burn other copies. And we have them available and we can use it for a more accurate, uh, accurate remaking of the Greek text. And how reliable are the authors who wrote the original uh, documents? We've talked about copies, but how about the original writers? Why can't we trust the accounts of the New Testament? Because the writers, they are all early writers, all contemporary or eyewitnesses of the events. There are many writers, not just one person. Again, we're just talking about the New Testament, not the Old Testament here. So in the New Testament, we have nine writers who wrote 27 books. So we are talking about how reliable are these original writings? They are early writers. There are many writers. They are honest writers. They taught and died for the highest ethic. And how accurate are they? They agree on all the essentials. When I was a Muslim, and uh, as, when I shared my testimony in the first session, um, I read a book by Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And I would highly recommend you to read that book that lays out a lot of these things in a lot more detail. I remember, even as a Muslim, reading about the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls and, and uh, found out that how old that there are copies of the Jewish scriptures. Now, before the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest Hebrew Bible was from around the time of 900 AD. Then, by the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the, our oldest Old Testament went back a thousand years. Dead Sea Scrolls are dated for around 150 AD. And scholars began to compare the 900 AD text of the Hebrew scriptures and the 150 BC Hebrew scriptures. And what they found, let's say in Isaiah 53, is that in 1,000 years, only one word was different. Now, that's important because it doesn't make sense for people to change scripture that they hold to be sacred and from God. What I'm saying is, um, in uh, Mukhari's response to the Islamic challenge, he says, there are theological reasons that we can give to Islamic charge. We can give scientific or historical evidence responses to the Islamic charge. But there's also the rational response. That is just hard to imagine people who hold their scriptures sacred just start changing them. Everybody treats their sacred scripture with care. And more importantly, especially as I said about the New Testament, we have the New Testament translated into various languages. And so 
you can't just have one person changing one text. We have the other texts with us. We, the texts have been spread out. It's not like they're all in one room and you can change them. The texts have been spread out, many geographical regions, many languages, many different churches. And to imagine that they all got together to agree on what they should change, that's what doesn't make sense. That's not, what's not rational. So that's why I believe as Christians we can be very confident about the Bible we hold in our hands. We, don't, we have actually, among ancient manuscripts, we have the most incredible text in our hands. And uh, there is no reason for uh, fear or uh, intimidation. I want to read you a, a quote, and uh, I have found this quote very profound. Um, this was a quote by an older scholar of Islam by the name of Stanton. Please pay attention. He says, It remains one of the outstanding anomalies of history like this is a, one of the most perplexing aspects of history, that the religious genius of Arabia, who staked the truth of his message on the witness of previous scriptures, should have utterly neglected to verify their contents and should have successfully inspired his followers throughout the ages to a like neglect. I, found, I find this a very profound, insightful quote, that Muhammad himself was unaware of the Bible, and this has remained the situation with his followers throughout the centuries. Let's move on to another charge of Islam. We've, we have talked about the charge of corruption. Let's talk about the charge of errors and contradictions. Uh, this is a huge topic, and there is no way we can cover uh, cover it in any detail. But I just want to make some general comments. And uh, I use these comments very much in my own practical witnessing to Muslims. I tell Muslims that if you start with an antagonistic attitude, you can find errors and problems and mistakes and contradictions in any text. But just like you don't want people to treat the Quran like that, and you give the Quran uh, the benefit of the doubt when you encounter problems in it, we Christians want you to do the same with the Bible. So I, I try to talk to them about their sincerity. See, Muslims read the Quran, and, 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 and of course, or we can show it to them, or as we, we Christians can point it out to them in the Quran that there seems to be all kinds of problems with the accounts in the Quran. For example, Ma Mary uh, is viewed as a sister of Aaron. The Quran talks about Haman at the time of Pharaoh. But, of course, Haman is in the story of Esther in the Bible. My, one of my favorites is the Quran talking about Sam a Samaritan who misled uh, Israel at the time of Moses. But we know historically, Samaritans didn't appear on the scene till 722 BC, hundreds of years after Moses. In Surah 1886 is another interesting episode when he talks about a person reaching the place where the sun lands in the, in the mud. Uh, the, the, the reference, uh, Surah 18, verse 86. We don't want to read it. I'm just giving you the reference. Surah 1886 talks about the setting of the sun, the sun set in muddy water. 
or another uh, interesting uh, passage in the Quran that many modern Muslims I know are kind of embarrassed and try to move away from it is found many passages. I'll just give you one reference for it. Surah 15, verses 16 to 18, where the Quran says how meteors and shooting stars are arrows that God shoots at jinns in the sky. There are many other examples. Uh, this is not, this, um, in this hour, I'm not going to start criticizing the Quran and show all the problems in it. But my point is this, that just as a faithful Muslim somehow in his mind handles these problematic passages in the Quran, he should know that we Christians also have some issues with our text, but it doesn't mean that we should say, oh, the whole thing is, we should, the whole thing is just full of errors and contradictions. Actually, the problems of the biblical text are not at all like the Quranic text. There has been not one single archaeological discovery that this confirms the Bible. There is no fact of history that everybody says we know this for sure that disagrees with the Bible. In fact, quite the opposite. We have found many archaeological discoveries that have confirmed the Bible. And there are many examples uh, that we can point to. Some of my favorite is, is this. Till about 200 years ago, people used to make fun of the Old Testament because it was the only document that mentioned the nation of the Hittites. There had been no discovery of anything that related to this culture called Hittites. If you go to Turkey today, go to the Turkish Museum in Ankara, they have a huge museum with Hittite history and culture in Turkey. So many times people said, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Luke is not a good historian because he's made these mistakes in his reporting. Time and time again, historians have now confirmed Luke's accounts to be accurate. Luke is viewed as one of the best historians of ancient times. So this is to say that the Bible, if we look at the Bible not wanting to find problems in it, many things are in fact are positive in the, in the biblical uh, literature. Now, there can be Differences in biblical accounts. But there are not errors or contradictions. What do I mean? One gospel says there were two angels at the tomb of Jesus. Another gospel says there was, one, there was one angel. It's not a contradiction. When you have two angels, you definitely have one angel. Now, one author wants to emphasize that like one angel spoke to the women who went to see Jesus. One author writes from a different perspective and reports that there were two angels. So we have many differences of perspectives in reporting an incident. And Muslims love to say, oh, that's an error, that's a contradiction, but that's really not the case. In fact, we know that in a court of law, if all witnesses say the same identical thing about an incident, it would be kind of doubtful. We just have to... Uh, uh, Understand that one time some, some writer might emphasize some details and another writer emphasizes different details. Or some theological problems in the Bible Muslims point to. One account says God uh, led David to take a census of the nation of Israel. One account says Satan tempted David to take a census of the nation. Muslims jump up and down. Contradiction, error, problem. But again, anybody who knows theology 101 knows that in the biblical picture, Satan is under the control of God. It's not a contradiction. 
One author says, that basically, we can say God allowed Satan to tempt David to do this. It was under the control of God, and yet Satan tempted David. So basically, that's my point, that there are differences, but there are not contradictions. And the reason you want to find a contradiction is you have a hostile attitude towards the text. But if you allow for ancient method of writing, ancient writers were not, are not like modern writers. They had different ways of expressing their th thoughts. If you allow for different perspectives, almost most of the problems of the Bible will be resolved. Let me give you another example. One gospel writer says that the Roman general came and asked Jesus for, the, for a healing. Another gospel account says the Roman general sent some leaders, representatives on his behalf to ask Jesus for the healing. Muslims cry out, contradiction! But no, that's just a very common way we even talk today. Today in America, if somebody reports, for example, that President Bush said this today. Now, President Bush himself might not even be in America, he might be in a different country. His speechwriter has written the speech. The White House spokesman has read the speech, but yet it's done on behalf of President Bush, so we say President Bush said it. So, I mean, these are very common ways of talking and communicating. So one gospel writer is basically saying the, the Roman general asked for this favor, doesn't report the detail that he asked the favor, but it was through the representatives that he asked the favor. Or maybe at one point he sent the representatives and then later he himself went to approach Jesus. So all of this to say that there are differences in the Bible, but not errors or contradictions. Unlike the Quran that, said, that we say, we know as a historical fact that there were no Samaritans at the time of Moses. That's a historical fact that we know the Quran is wrong on. There is not one proved historical fact that the Bible can be pointed to as being wrong. And, and archaeological discoveries continue to confirm the accounts all the way from Genesis through the New Testament. Another charge I want to address in the next few minutes of our time is the charge of immorality in the Bible. And this is what I say to Muslims. That you might be shocked to hear accounts of David committing adultery or Abraham lying to save himself. And for you, this might be a sign that the Bible is not trustworthy. For me, that's one of the greatest signs that the Bible is truthful. The Bible doesn't whitewash its heroes. The Bible is about the good, the bad, and the ugly. No other nation in history has ever portrayed their hero king that the way that the Bible has portrayed David. The Bible wants to be very, very honest about the reality of our life. And all of it goes to show the truth of Paul, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the immoralities of the Bible for me are actually a confirmation of the honesty of its writers. Our time has come to an end. In the next session, we will conclude our series. Uh, and we want to address the, the issue of Paul and the issue of the influence of pagan mystery religions on Christianity.
And then I want to talk about the issue of the canon of the New Testament. Thank you.